reception. He had flown into Auckland at four o'clock in the morning and had been stunned just by the clear smell of the air as he had walked to his taxi. Despite the jet lag, every turn on the empty two-lane roads presented him with some new, joyful sight, and every time he had expected bureaucracy to get in the way of something he'd wanted to do, there was instead a wave of the hand and a promise that all was sweet as. The Kiwis, he had swiftly decided, were the least frightened people on earth. Everything was going to be fine. Nothing was going to happen. His new friends at the survey had, last weekend, cajoled him into throwing himself off a bridge with a bungee cord wrapped around his ankle, and he had actually done it, freed from his fear. Every morning he woke to clean air, clear skies. Even the rain tasted good. He thought that it was when he'd gone whale-watching off Kaikura that he'd finally got it. He had seen the giant, serene bulk of a sperm whale surface and lie there, calm in the sun, breathing. And something inside Dave had relaxed in a way he had never known before. His mate, Tony, was more phlegmatic, had started to remark on the way Dave was grinning all the time. Tony just wondered at the pies that were available in every service station, and why all the chocolate tasted different. But Dave could tell that, underneath it all, he too was having a great time. Their work took them up onto the slopes of Mount Ruapehu, a volcano that looked so classically like a volcano should, a black cone rising out of the lava plain with clouds around its summit, that Dave had laughed at his first sight of it. They had taken radio songs out of the back of the van at the highest car park, and had started the long tramp up the slope of small grey stones, the colour broken by patches of white lichen and weird tiny flowers. Tony muttered something about how stupid they must look, with red half-inflated balloons in their hands as if they were on their way to a fancy dress party. The radiosons carried instrument packages, each designed to monitor wind speed, pressure and other changing circumstances in the heights of the atmosphere. They reached the designated site, checked their position with the GPS, and then released the songs. Dave, waiting for a moment, watching Tony's balloon spiralling upwards into the blue, before letting go of his own. He detached the radio from his belt and clicked the button that connected him with the light aircraft that was somewhere up there, where Maggie would be filming the progress of the songs, while keeping up a stream of abuse at her husband Jeff who was the survey's pilot. Mount Ruapehu field campaign to tracking aircraft over. Tracking aircraft, can you hear me? He clicked the button. There was just the hiss of static from the receiver. Weird, he glanced at Tony. What's going to be interfering with it up here? Tony was shielding his eyes, staring up into the sky, trying to catch the plane. They could both hear the drone of the engine, Probably a new radio station. Volcano FM. This had become a running joke between them, how as they drove around the North Island the radio stations gained eccentric little monopolies of their own in the most out-of-the-way areas where there was no competition. Volcano FM. Cool. Rock by day, lava by night. Is that the aircraft? Tony was blinking at something. Dave followed his gaze. There was something sparkling up there, high against the blue. 
sparkling and burning. For a moment he felt fear again, but no. A moment later he realized that wasn't an aircraft. It was a blazing light source, swiftly growing from a point, showing almost no parallax as he moved his head from side to side. Which meant it was coming straight at them. A meteor, he yelled, full of wonder. He had never seen one that had amounted to more than the streak of a shooting star. Sweet! Sweet as, laughed Tony back. It's going to land just over the ridge. Now, they always look like that, from what I've read. Not this one, mate. Look at it. We're seeing it head on. They waited for a moment more, and then they both started to run, their boots slipping on the grey rock and dust, trying to get over the ridge into the low valley. They got there just...